and welcome to episode 24 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. Go hit me up. Hit that follow button. I'll follow you guys back. Everything related to the GMS podcast, you guys will find right over there. But on today's episode, we're going to talk more NBA. I'm going to give you guys my top 10 duos right now in the NBA because yesterday a new monster super duo was formed when Russell Westbrook was traded to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul and a slew of first-round picks. On Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, they did not want this to linger. and They were aggressive this week in searching out trade partners, Houston, Miami. Detroit showed some interest, but it was really a Houston-Miami derby. And, you know, earlier today, Houston, Oklahoma City came to terms on an agreement and this was done almost as soon as this auction started. So yesterday, it's supposed to be the slowest sports day of the year, right? That's the day where you catch up on movies, do some binge watching. You do anything but watch sports. And Agent Wojanowski, he dropped the Woj bomb reporting that Russell Westbrook had been indeed eyeing a a, re, a reunion with James Harden, and they will link up once again. They played together seven years ago. Of course, it was different seven years ago. James Harden was coming off the bench, and he was 22 years old. Russell Westbrook was 23, and they made it to the NBA Finals. And then, of course, they traded James Harden to the Houston Rockets because they wanted to keep Serge Ibaka. So that's a, that seems like an attorney ago, but Russell Westbrook, he is going to be headed to Houston, and that is going to be a formidable duo. We're going to break down the entire trade, give you guys my top 10 duos right now in the NBA, and much, much more. But getting into this trade, it's just insane. I mean, Sam Presti now has 15, up to 15 first-round picks in the next seven drafts. So in the next seven drafts, Sam Presti has over 15 potential first-round picks. You got pick swaps. You got picks from the deal with the Clippers, the Miami Heat. This dude has more picks than the Qatar Center, man. And we're going to see if he can strike lightning once again. Will lightning strike once again for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Because, look, yes, everyone wants to say, Sam Presti, you weren't able to re-sign Kevin Durant. You trade away an MVP in James Harden. You trade away Paul George. And now you trade away another MVP in Russell Westbrook. But if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, and you know this was going nowhere, right? Despite the reports that Paul George wanted out of OKC. It was really Russell Westbrook who had pushed for the action before Paul George. Russell Westbrook had let it be known to Sam Presti, to Clay Bennett, to the Oklahoma City Thunder front office that, look, I'm 30, I need to chase a ring, and Russell Westbrook has been reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorst, that Russell Westbrook and James Harden had been in talks about linking up for quite some time now. So look, hey, may, look, if I'm Russell Westbrook, I know that he's not petty like that. Maybe he is. He did post a picture of a cupcake on his Instagram when Kevin Durant left. But if I'm Russell Westbrook, hey, I'm trying to sh- uh, spin this narrative saying, look, Paul George left. I wanted to leave before Paul George did, and my out was much more realistic. But it all worked out, and they just saw this as a way to push the reset button for Westbrook, for Paul George, 
for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And like I told you on Wednesday, I knew that the Oklahoma City Thunder had too much respect for what Russell Westbrook has done for this franchise. He is the he is Mr. Thunder. He's going to be the first statue ever built outside of the Chesapeake Bay, Bay Arena. And first guy to ever average a triple-double, did it three seasons, won an MVP, and more importantly, he signed that extension and stayed with the Oklahoma City Thunder and could have left them with no picks. And they would have never gotten Paul George, Victor Oladipo. The rest is history, really. And I just knew all this talk, he might go to Minnesota, he might go to Detroit, he might go to Miami. Absolutely insane. Russell Westbrook, he got his number one choice, to play with his number one choice in the player he wanted to play with. Oh, and most importantly, this is what I was telling you. They are they. I knew that Russell Westbrook and his agent were going to make it clear to the Oklahoma City front office, we don't want you to gut the team we're going to. If I'm going to be going to, to the Rockets or the Miami Heat, I don't want to be going there and it just be a two-headed monster and a bunch of mid-level guys, a bunch of buyout guys. I want talent where I'm going to play, and that is exactly what happened. The Houston Rockets gave up nothing. They gave up nothing with the exception of picks and the Albatross worst contract in the NBA, which is Chris Paul, a player who had built, had become increasingly disgruntled, a player who had rifts with management, with D'Antoni, with James Harden. Brian Windhorst reported that Chris Paul and James Harden, they were getting into it a lot. Don't let those State Farm commercials fool you, okay? That was a commercial shoot. There was a director. He had the clapper. When they said action, everything was fun and fun and well. I'm telling you, once they yelled cut, James Harden was in his trailer, and he was gone, okay? There was not a great relationship, a great bond between James Harden and uh, Chris Paul, And to make matters worse, the barking of Chris Paul on the court, how demonstrative he was against James Harden, and apparently Brian Windhorst reported that against the Golden State Warriors in the second round this year, they were playing up in Golden State. It was game two, and James Harden was, or Chris Paul was not happy with James Harden because he was posting up and Chris Paul was barking at him saying, dude, you're, you're messing up the spacing. You're messing up the spacing. Find your spot. I'll get you the ball. And James Harden finally turns to him and says, look, man, there's always effing something with you. It's always effing something with you, Chris Paul. And that should let, you, let it be known. I mean, if you saw, they had that, uh, that, they had that, that run-in on the bench where James Harden slapped his wrist away. And then also, I love this. You had guys, you had guys retiring Russell Oklahoma City fans. By the way, you will not, you will not see one burned Russell Westbrook jersey. And if you do, that is the troll of the century because there is nothing but respect and adulation coming from this OKC fan base that they're really hurt. They're really hurt. A reported uh, there was an Oklahoma City fan at Russell Westbrook's comedy night last night. Of all things. The timing was crazy. Russell Westbrook had his annual comedy show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He didn't have to go. He still went. And it was crazy because he was wearing, like, aqua blue shorts and a red shirt. So, I mean, Russell Westbrook is the fashion king, right? That's what he dubs himself. And to me, I definitely read into that. If Russell Westbrook, if you're watching the show, the Brody, you got to let me know. Was that a statement you making? Hey, this is my old team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and this is my new team, the uh, the Houston Rockets. I don't know if that was the case, but you had 
Oklahoma City Thunder fans just absolutely devastated. One lady said that she was absolutely heartbroken. She was in tears. Everything that Russell Westbrook has embodied just does never say a die. His really his entire pit bull snarling demeanor, the competitive edge, has really rubbed off on the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base. And they're really, really not taking this very well. You have this guy retiring his jersey. I love this. Instead of burning his jersey, he hung a Westbrook jersey on a hanger and was lifting it. You had different songs, but this one guy did it to Elton John's Candle in the Wind. He was lifted to, to Candle in the Wind. But look, he's gone. He's now a rocket man. It's going to be Brody and the Rockettes. Okay, he's out of there. It's a wrap. And we're going to break down the winners and losers of the Russell Westbrook trade to the Miami uh, to the Houston Rockets. Miami Heat are actually one of my losers. They didn't make the trade, but I think it works out best for for Russell Westbrook and all parties involved that he ends up with the Houston Rockets. But first, on the winner's side, I'm going to – oh, by the way, Twitter was just absolutely insane. Twitter was crazy yesterday, of course, like you would imagine. Twitter was just going off. You had – J.J. Watt saying the NBA is crazy, exclamation point. Mayor David Holt of Oklahoma City said, in the days ahead, there will be much, 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 much. That's a lot of muches, my man. That's a little much on the muches, bro. Uh, Much, much more to say about what Russell Westbrook has meant to OKC. I I can't even begin to process it all now. Five heart emojis. I love that. You got a grown man, grown man, mayor of OKC doing five blue heart emojis. But for tonight, holy cow, you can't make this stuff up. We traded our greatest love our first for our, our first love. So he said, we trade our greatest love for our first love. And what he's saying by, by, by that is that during Hurricane Katrina, when the New Orleans Hornets were displaced because of that, they played in Oklahoma City. So if you want to look up a crazy rare jersey, check up check out Chris Paul rocking an Oklahoma City New Orleans Pelicans jersey. This other guy said, this other guy posted a picture. This kid was hilarious. What was his name? Um <laughs> Sam Baker 58 tweeted a picture of him wearing a Chris Paul Oklahoma City Pel- uh Oklahoma City Hornets jersey saying, I was born for this day, exclamation mark. I knew this this jersey was meant for today. <laughs> that kid's hilarious. And then D-Wade, he tweeted, well, damn, emoji where you're kind of, you know, scratching your chin. Then Trey Young tweeted, this league is crazy, y'all, but y'all already knew that. Yes, Trey Young, we definitely knew that. This league is insane. The player mobility is absolutely incredible right now we've never seen anything like it only eight of 24 players from the 2017 NBA all-star game have remained with their original team so only eight of the 24 players in the all-star game that year are on that original team I mean half of that's the Warriors right but Steph Curry's actually the longest remaining player he uh for the Warriors on that team but it's just insane what you see here with, uh, with the NBA and Russell Westbrook. But, yeah, to think that the Seattle Supersonics, both Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were drafted when the Thunder were the Sonics 
And finally, the Thunder are officially now in complete rebuild mode, depending on what they do. I know that Sam Presti has said that he's going to work with Chris Paul to find a destination for him. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But now we're going to go to the winners. The first winner of the trade is the Rockets championship odds. The Rockets championship odds, they went up five spaces. Five spaces. Now they are the fourth odds-on favorite. Hey, I'm a big wise guy guy. I'm big on Vegas odds. I was checking that stuff long before. I mean, those guys know things, okay? And I'm telling you, that is is a lot of movement. Going up five spots right there. Now they are the fourth favorite to win the NBA title at 7-1. They trail the Bucks at 9-2. Clippers at four to one, Lakers at seven and two, and then after the Rockets, you got the 76ers, Warriors, and Jazz rounding out the next year's NBA favorite. So the Rockets now are the fourth team, and it's all to me. Like, trust me, it, it's it's not just Westbrook. If they had made that trade and Eric Gordon was included, Clint Capella was included. Chris Paul along with them, and it was about salary cap dumping, and it was a salary cap move. I'm telling you, those odds wouldn't have jumped, but it was the fact that they were able to retain their entire core. Their entire core. Basically, you're getting the Rockets, but instead of a 34, 5'11", aging point guard that has that's always injured in critical games, you are getting Russell Westbrook, who's still 30 years old, and he's the fa- he's not the fastest player in the NBA right now. If you look at the analytics, if you look at sports science, Russell Westbrook is the fastest player in NBA history. I don't want to hear about Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was extremely quick, but he was 5'11", okay? Russell Westbrook is pushing 6'4". He's got the strides. My man is a gazelle out there. And Russell Westbrook doesn't miss games. Russell Westbrook is going to be very, very durable. So you're going to see that, and it's really... It's really going to be crazy to think what the Rockets can be because uh, because when you think about it, the Houston Rockets they have had to rely on Chris Paul, but he's never been he's never played in the 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 crunch time, the clutch games. They're supposed to be clutch city. He was out in Game Seven with a hamstring injury, right? Russell Westbrook has missed twelve games, twelve games in in five years, twelve games in five years. Russell Westbrook, yes, he's had knee surgeries. Yes, he's had um, his knee scope for maintenance. But I'm telling you, Russell Westbrook is a guy. He will play through injury. He will be available. The best cliche ever, your best, availab- your best ability is your availability. Russell Westbrook has that in spades. So first winner, the Rockets championship odds. Loser, OKC's 11 years of relevancy with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and all the stars they had at one point. So for 11 years, the Oklahoma City Thunder, since joining, becoming the Thunder, have been a relevant franchise. They've been a franchise that quickly ascended into being a championship contender. Remember, all those guys made the finals at 23 or younger. And now they're going to have to find a way to revitalize that franchise. Check this out. The Thunder, they posted an average local TV rating of 669 Last year, that was second in the entire NBA behind the Gold State Warriors. They also have 355 consecutive sellouts, which is third, the third longest streak in the association. So third longest streak of sellouts at 355. Can you name the two in front of the Oklahoma City Thunder? Think about it. I, I really had to look this up. I, the top of my head, I had not guessed this, but I'm very impressed. 
The second was the Miami Heat. Miami Heat, 385 straight sellouts since 2010. Of course, that's, of course, when they got the, the, the Heatles, the big three, whatever you want to call it. That was that era. And then the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are number one in the NBA with most consecutive sellouts at 751 games, dating all the way back to December 15th, 2001. Shout out to Mavs Nation. Shout out to my friend uh, Jimmy Crowther of all things Mavs. He started the hashtag Mavs Fan for Life, and those fans are very dedicated. So, so that's going to change too. We'll we'll see what Oklahoma City's done. So, loser Oklahoma City's 11 years of relevancy. Winner Clint Capella. So Clint Capella, a lot of people say they may have overpaid for him, but he has the highest. So check this out. The two highest passer to score assists per game for duos last year were James Harden and Clint Capella at 2.9 assists per game, and then Russell Westbrook to Steven Adams at 2.5 assists per game. So those are guys. So basically what that tells you is James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they are guys who are the best roller assist men in the NBA because Clint Capella, 78% of his baskets come on assisted shots and shots inside the paint. Remember, at the Get More Sports Podcast, we bring in facts to the fight here, and that tells you that that is going to be a major scoring machine right there. That is going to be great for the Houston Rockets. And look for Russell Westbrook on that screen and roll, that that dive. They got a pick. You got got a a split second to decide, do you want to guard Westbrook as he gets to the rim, or do you want to guard Clint Capella on the lob? That is going to be easy buckets all day, every day. Then loser, we got Chris Paul. So, like I always like to say, the NBA comes at you fast. It does. You age quickly. You age in like milk. Not a lot of guys are aging like wine in the NBA. And really, that window of prime, when it starts to decline, things happen. It's a business. Teams will move you. But if you're Chris Paul, let's look at this timeline. You're the point god, right? That was your nickname with the Los Angeles Clippers. You force yourself out of the Clippers to get to Houston And then you wear on Houston, and then you get shipped to Oklahoma City in a complete rebuilding mode with the worst contract in the NBA. I'm telling you, like I always like to say, if it stinks everywhere you go, it's probably you, Chris Paul. And he just can't help himself. He wears thin on his teammates. He's he's an alpha dog. He thinks he's an alpha dog, but does not take a step back, does not like to adjust and remedy any of the situations that develop with his teammates. If you look at it, Chris Paul has $124 million left on his contract, right? So it's just a terrible contract. He's in year two of a four-year, $160 million deal. And when I call him a loser, I just mean that he's a loser in this situation because you're making $160 million. You're not a loser by any stretch of the imagination. Chris Paul, you want to switch places? Let's do it. Hit me up. I'll do that right now. But when I say loser, I mean that his collective barring. So just a little history here. Chris Paul was the head of the Players Association that completely renegotiated the new collective barring agreement, which instituted the new deal, which allowed players to get more money to get Supermax contracts, right? Now he sees himself in a position where you might be talking buyout, and that would be the biggest buyout of all time. I don't even know how to even estimate the the buyout and the stretch provisions on that but if you're talking one if so if you're Chris Paul you're the ringleader you're the figurehead of that movement 
to get all your money. So the whole idea is we want all, every single penny of the contract we sign, and then you might be the first guy to sign a buyout on a Supermax. I mean, you just could not predict this stuff. You would never in a million years think that not only would he be a dead asset like this, so think about this. They didn't just trade him. They trade him, trade him with a war chest, a war chest, a treasure trove of first round picks. So that just tells you. But apparently, the Miami Heat are interested in Chris Paul. You never know. Maybe they want that. You know, Michael Jordan. He's made some moves in haste in years past. Maybe you send him back to to North Carolina. And he plays for the Charlotte Hornets where he went to college at Wake Forest. By the way, one of my favorite sports stories ever is Chris Paul. So Chris Paul's dad, Chris Paul's granddad, I should say, was the first African-American to own his own gas station in North Carolina. And at 63, he was murdered. And Chris Paul found out about that on that night. He was only a junior in high school, and my man dropped 63 points in honor of his late granddad. I salute you for that, Chris Paul. That was that's the one. I love that sports story. But uh, Miami, if I'm the Miami Heat here, Miami Heat. If you're listening to me, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, this is an organization that does not need to roll with Chris Paul because look, Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler, they both want to pound the rock. They want to handle the rock and they're not going to compliment each other, don't do it. I know you had success with Tim Hardaway, but Chris Paul is going to be 34. I'm telling you, Miami Heat, do not take a flyer on Chris Paul because if you do, you just that, that M in Miami is going to be mediocrity. Okay, You're going to be a middling team, and look, you don't even know what you're going to get for him. He's averaged 64 games as a, as a Houston Rocket. So as a guy missed a lot of time, do not take a flyer on that. I think really Chris Paul... I think at the end of the day, unless the Miami Heat can convince themselves that Chris Paul is their guy to pair with Jimmy Butler, and to me, if I'm the Miami Heat, man, you got the assets, you have the young talent. If you're going to trade in those chips, do it for Bradley Beal. He's a Gator. He's from Florida. He's really one of the most underrated players that still is in his prime. That is the key word, prime. You want to keep players in your prime? I would much rather make that move, even if it meant bringing on John Wall. John Wall's younger. So look, Miami Heat, if you want some advice, hit me up. I'm telling you, do not take a flyer on Chris Paul. This is not a slight on Chris Paul, but I'm telling you, you cap out your team and it's a wrap for your organization for the next five to seven years. But I think what happens with Chris Paul ultimately is he does get bought out. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're going to want to avoid that luxury tax, and they're going to buy him out, and then we'll see where he signs. So then the next winner, I got Steven Adams. Steven Adams, he's one of the strongest, strongest, burliest rebounders in the NBA, but he's had to sacrifice so much playing with Russell Westbrook. I mean, his career rebounding rate is almost on par with Andreas Bargnani, one of the worst big man rebounders of all time. So Russell Westbrook got a lot of those boards. And the other winner, I got Russell Westbrook. So like I said, he gets to go. You're pairing two MVPs, still in their prime. He's going to have shooters for the first time in his career. In his career, I ran the numbers here. In his career with the Oklahoma City Thunder, if you average those years, the Thunder were the 22nd worst three-point shooting team in the NBA in his time with Oklahoma City. That means that you got a guy who is the fastest player in the NBA. He does, he, shooting is not his strength, right? But it wasn't Magic Johnson's strength either. It wasn't a lot of great players' strengths to be a shooter. And you pair him with guys who can't shoot, and then you wonder why they don't win. Now you pair him with guys like Eric Gordon, one of the best sharpshooters in the league, James Harden. 
guys who can get crazy buckets. P.J. Tucker, he's pretty much mastered that corner three. And then also, Mike D'Antoni, their whole system is predicated not on efficiency. It's predicated on volume. Okay, and Mike D'Antoni is going to look at Westbrook saying, hey, man, I'm not looking at your percentages. Go let it fly, baby. If you get to the rim, if you start getting back cuts, all we want to do is space the floor out for you, and we want to get you open threes if it's there. But really, they're going to use Westbrook as a way to get to the rim. Maybe he cuts down on his mid-range shots. Maybe you start seeing. If, if you look at back when he played with the Thunder, they ran one set, which was a double pin-down screen with Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook did a back cut on baseline. They scored a ton on that, but really they went away from back cuts with Russell Westbrook, and I think you're going to see Westbrook embrace a new challenge. It's James Harden's team. I'm not going to say it's Russell Westbrook's team because it's James Harden's organization, and I think you're going to see that. Then loser, I got Billy Donovan. Now, Billy Donovan, you know what? I bet you're feeling some regret right here. My man, Billy Donovan, one of the protégés of Rick Pitino, you should have stayed in college. You should have taken that UCLA job because, trust me, UCLA would have taken Billy Donovan. UCLA would have waited to the offseason for Billy Donovan. And then, as a backup, you should have taken the Michigan job. Both those jobs, elite, top-tier jobs, and Billy Donovan should have taken it. Now he's stuck in a comp- – well, I guess he's going to be – you know what? Maybe staying in Oklahoma City will be the right thing because now he's going to be surrounded by just first-round picks and college players, and that's what going to be the deal for Billy Donovan. But he had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook in his prime, in their absolute prime, and you can't win. You can't get over the hump. And then you had PG and Russ in their prime, couldn't get out of the first round. I mean, Billy Donovan has done nothing as an NBA coach to maximize NBA talent. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. But to me, Billy Donovan, he doesn't have the tactical schematics to really, to really make it happen in the NBA. He's just not, a, he's not your X's and O's out-of-timeout t- guy. And if you're not that, then you got to be a master motivator. you got to be Doc Rivers. you got to have that certain je ne sais quoi, that charisma that gets NBA players to run through a wall for you. And I just don't think that Billy Donovan has that at the NBA level. In college, he can use that that military approach, that really that firmness to do it. I'm just telling you, Billy Donovan, you should have taken the UCLA and Michigan jobs. Then for winner, I got Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, he's going to be able to run this back. A team that flirted with the finals, they almost beat the Kevin Durant Warriors with Chris Paul and James Harden. And then you run this back with Russell Westbrook, who's four years younger in his prime, and you're a guy that got the most out of Steve Nash. You're a guy that stylistically Chris Paul and James Harden wasn't supposed to work. Well, guess what? It worked when they were on the floor, and it worked for a year. And I think if you're Russell Westbrook, I think that I think you're going to benefit. And also, look, Harden is so effective in isolation. He had a streak of 304 consecutive unassisted points last season. And that's a lot of times because of Mike D'Antoni. It's not just that he has the ball in his hands. He knows how to create sp- spacing outside of who has the ball in their hands. But... Loser, we got Sam Presti. Traded away all those guys I told you. And then he just really, he's a guy that wasn't able to get it done. He was a guy that decided to go for length and athleticism versus spacing and shooting. And it reared its ugly head. Look, I mean, if he can do that, maybe this is what he likes to do. Maybe he wants to challenge himself and see if he can get Kevin Durant, get Russell Westbrook, get James Harden, get guys like that again. But... I think it's very unlikely 
that Lightning is going to strike twice, and it's starting to look like you got these two teams in the NBA. You got the college ranks, and then you got the the lower market teams that are acting as farm teams for the big market teams. All these small market teams are funneling this big all this talent to the coastal cities, the big markets. And really, you got to find out what's going on in the NBA from that standpoint. So I would say Sam Presti, look, scared money don't make none. And you just did not. Clay Bennett, you guys didn't want to go in the luxury tax. If you're not going to spend in a small market, what is the incentive of an elite player? A lot of people are saying, Colin Cowherd saying, oh, they should trade Chris Paul for uh, Ben Simmons. Why? So Ben Simmons can play there for two years, see that you got... By the way, it was reported this morning that one of the uh, part owners of Oklahoma City has just put their 22% stake in the franchise up for sale. You're going you're gonna to sell that off. So I'm telling you, why would Ben Simmons want to go to OKC and why would you make that trade knowing that Ben Simmons, this guy has big market written all over him. So I wouldn't do that. And then my last winner, of course, is Daryl Morey. I called him the Riverboat Gambler. And Daryl Morey, I've had, I've had issues with Daryl Morey a little bit. But this guy, say what you want, this guy gets it done. No one likes stars more than Daryl Morey, than Neil deGrasse Tyson, than Quentin Tarantino. By the way, his new movie, you got DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Al Pacino, Margot Robbie. No one likes stars more than Daryl Morey, though. Okay, And this guy, he will do whatever it takes to make a move. He'll trade everything, every single one of his assets to get a top-heavy star. It's a very analytics-based approach. And Daryl Morey, the madman in Houston, does it again. I'm telling you, it's good that he (laughs) works in Houston by NASA because I'm telling you, they're another – I mean, they are up in the clouds, up in the stars because that's how they get it done in Houston – and it's just the history of that organization. Now, here's a fact about the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets in the last 35 years have only missed the playoffs three times. So that's an organization that goes for it every single time. That has a model consistency. So Daryl Morey, you did it. And now I'm going to give you my top 10 duos heading into next season for the NBA. That is the new trend in the NBA. It's about your Batman and Robins or your Batman and your Batmans. The Avengers era appears to be over at the moment. It's about these two-headed monsters, and there is a lot of them, and there should be a lot of parody in the NBA. But the top 10 duos, a couple of honorable mentions. I would do Luka Doncic. And Chris Stapp's Porzingis, the unicorn, Luka Doncic. They never have played together, so it's tough to say what they could be, but they're an honorable mention as someone I think they could play together and play well together. That's a, I like that pairing. Then Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson. I'm telling you, they haven't played together either, but that's another pairing I think could really be something special down the line with all those lobs. They could play a great two-man game together. By the way, the person who tweeted, there was a picture of Zion Williamson sitting on the bench and he, he had a little bit of a gut there. Someone was calling him Dikembe Mogumbo. <laughs> You're cold for that one, but I think those two honorable mentions. So, number 10, I got Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. Don't sleep on this one. I don't know if they're a championship caliber one, but Jason Tatum, he's still ascending. Kemba Walker is a very clutch scorer, and to see him with Brad Stevens' offense, he's, de- he's definitely a more willing passer than Kyrie Irving was, and I think a guy that's willing to 
work with Jason Tams. So we got that number 10. Number 9, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. This is one where I think if they had experience together, it would be higher on the list because I'm very, very high on the spider. Donovan Mitchell, they both play defense and high IQ, these guys have it in spades. Mike Conley is a floor surveyor, a floor general. He also has a lot to prove. I got them at number nine. Number eight, I know some people might think I have this low, but Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Damian Lillard, now we know that that bye-bye, he was not just waving bye to the Oklahoma City Thunder season. He was saying goodbye to an era of Oklahoma City, to a franchise, because after that game winner, that franchise was never the same, and I got C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. My only reason I have them high, lower on this list than some of the other ones is the mix of them. They both are guards. They both do a lot of things well, but you don't have a lot of versatility in the way they score. If Dame scores, he's got the rock in his hands. He's shooting threes, getting to the bucket. C.J. McCollum, great dribbling, great isolation game, but do they? how often do you see them catching and shooting off each other's assists? So I got them there. Number seven, you might think this is low for them, but I got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I know you would expect to see them higher on this list because Kevin Durant is an MVP, a two-time Finals MVP winner. Kyrie Irving hit one of the most clutch shots in league history in that Game 7 against the Warriors. But to me, I just don't know what we have in Kevin Durant. Until I see him play, if he's 80% of the player that we saw, if he was 100% of the player that we saw, it took Kobe Bryant 240 days to get back from his Achilles tear. And then Kyrie Irving, he's just had his issues, not only physically for, with injuries himself, but as a chemistry guy who really has flamed out in Cleveland, he flamed out in Boston, I think is the greatest dribbler of all time, but I think I have them low on this list. The one thing that you can say, if Kevin Durant is the Kevin Durant that we saw in this playoffs when he comes back, I don't know how far the medical advancements have gone. I've heard great things about the recovery times with Achilles. If he's still that player, Kyrie Irving has shown that he is more than capable of being in the discussion for best Robins of all time. So, they could be higher based on how well KD returns. Number six, don't sleep on these guys. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. These guys haven't even hit their peak prime. These guys, there's a reason why the Nuggets extended Murray when they did. I think it's really the beginning of something really, really big in Denver with these two. They play so well off each other. Jamal Murray can catch and shoot off of Jokic's assist, and then also Jokic can return the favor on his own pick and pop. So they play so well with each other. It's almost like they have the potential, I know this is crazy, but to be a more explosive version of Stockton Malone. I'm talking about 30 and up points because I'm telling you, Jamal Murray is a clutch shot maker. He's a dog. Number five, I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's not that hard to say, guys. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. Now, Chris Middleton, now this is, of all these pairings, you might have the disparity of talent, the widest margin here between Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm very high on Giannis. His three-point shot, his perimeter shooting was exposed a little bit in the playoffs there. But Middleton, I like the length there. He can shoot the three. I got them at number five. Number four, on this list, I could really make a case that they're number three, but they also haven't played with each other in seven years. This, If this works out, this ha could be the highest highest ceiling, the highest peak if it works out 
Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I was saying yesterday they hopefully they have two balls, one for Harden, one for Westbrook. Maybe they can change the rules of basketball. But what D'Antoni did was he really split their minutes and he staggered the minutes of Chris Paul and James Harden. And I'm just I'm so I'm so fascinated at the idea of Westbrook with shooters and spacing. He's hungry, James Harden. Two of the last three MVPs are on the same team in their prime, okay? It's, it might be the last t- two years of their prime, but they are still in their prime. And I just think they're dangerous. They're explosive. Of this list, they can get as hot as just about anyone. Next, at number three, I'm going to go with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So they have the crown as the best two-way tandem in basketball. Offensively, defensively, they're both lockdown defenders. I love Paul George's length paired with Kawhi Leonard's length as well as defensive stoppers. Just elite wing players. Their primes have aligned really well. My only concern is I lost, I've watched a lot of Paul George, and I just I wouldn't say he's an alpha dog. He's a talented player. He's a, a skilled, refined player. When he's on, he's on. But he's a guy who, I'm telling you, man, he's very high isolation. He dribbles more than he should. He's a guy that really gets most of his points by creating himself. Yes, he can catch and shoot at times, but he's very timid. And I just don't know if he's just going to grab the bull by the horns alongside Kawhi Leonard like they think he is. Another guy who's quietly dealt with some serious injuries. That that fractured leg was horrific. And then multiple shoulder surgeries. And when you're talking shoulder surgeries, you're talking about affecting your shooting touch. So I could easily flip-flop Westbrook and Harden because I think the key thing there is Kawhi Leonard has just came off a championship with the Toronto Raptors where this dude was saying that he was the walking dead in the in the locker room after because he was so tired. Do you really think Kawhi Leonard is going to just jump out of the gates with his hair on fire with the Clippers? I don't think so. I think he's a guy they're going to load manage, and I think he's a guy that I don't think are as hungry as Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and a Houston Rockets organization that's trying to get their first title since 1995. But for right now, the greatness of Kawhi Leonard as the greatest player in the NBA, I got him at number three. Number two, don't tell me this is too high for these guys. I don't want to hear anything about Klay Thompson's ACL injury. I got the Splash Brothers, okay? I got Klay Thompson and Steph Curry coming in at number two. Only unanimous MVP, Steph Curry. You got Klay Thompson. They, You remember, they won 73 games as the key parts of that team before Kevin Durant, and they are, without question, the best shooting backcourt of all time. Just look at these numbers. Steph Curry alone has the number one, two, three, four, five, and nine spots of most made threes all time. Curry's had seasons of 402, 324, 286, 272, and 261 made threes. Okay? Clay Thompson has four of this four has four. So Steph Curry has seven of the top t- nine spots all time. Or seven, and then Clay Thompson, he's had seasons of 276, 268, 239, 229, 223. Just to give you an idea, you want some perspective on that? The next player who's had the most made threes of that is Ray Allen with 269. So that's 133 less threes than Steph Curry's highest season. And it's not the volume, it's the efficiency. Curry has shot below 41% from three. He has not shoot below 41% from three in any of those seasons, okay? He shot 45.3% for his 
2016 where he made 402. 45% from three. That is just straight fire. That is Chef Curry with the shot. That's everything I want to say. They are truly the Splash Brothers. And then Curry, from 2015 to 2017, he's made over 1,000 threes. I'm telling you, man, this guy is just unbelievable. Those three seasons alone would be good enough for the 99th most made threes of all time. Morris Peterson is currently 99th with 1,007 threes. So, this guy, you want to talk shooting, it starts and ends with Steph Curry. He is in a class all by himself. He hasn't had that clutch shot in the postseason that I want to see him have. But I'm telling you, Klay Thompson's going to be back. He's going to be better than ever. I still have them at number two because this is a league that, is beca- that has become a shooter's league, and those two can shoot with the best of them. Coming in at number one, I'm rolling with LeBron James, the king, the kid from Akron, LBJ, King James, LeBron James in the brow, Anthony Davis. Say what you want about LeBron James, but last year, even in a, quote, down year, and I know I've been a little rough on LeBron when it comes to Michael Jordan, but don't get it twisted. LeBron James is on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. He is solidified in my top five. I got, real quick, you know, without giving it, I got MJ and Kareem and Magic all in those top three. MJ, Kareem, and Magic and then LeBron James, I got right after that. So, But LeBron James, when it's all said and done, he'll probably leapfrog magic. It's only Kareem, but we'll get into that in another show. LeBron last year, 27.4 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, 8.3 assists, and his box plus minus. If you don't know box plus minus, it's a very big um, measure of just how successful the team is with him on the court and his overall effectiveness. His box plus minus was 7.9, and he still estimated a 7.3 win share. So... With those numbers, he's right up there with the league's elite. And, I mean, he's still shooting over 50%. I mean, LeBron James, if he's still LeBron James, and now we're getting a rested, no playoffs LeBron James. A LeBron James that just had his gap year. I'm going to call it his gap year. You know, you take a year off before you go to college. This was LeBron's gap year, but in the NBA, because he didn't make that playoff run. And then Anthony Davis, number three all-time already in per. Listen to Anthony Davis say he's the best player in the league. And, And the variation, the height, the length there between those two. LeBron James, until proven otherwise, and Anthony Davis is the best duo in the NBA. So there you go. You got my top 10. But hope you guys have a great weekend, like I said. Those guests are coming. We're going to say this until we get it. We're going to lock that down next week. I think 25 is a good episode for our first first guest. And I think we're going to rock with that on Monday. But thanks again for, uh, for rocking with us here on the Get More Sports Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Follow me on D, at DMAC underscore LA on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again, and I'm out.